And we are live. Fabricio, we're waiting for you. Okay, so good evening, everybody. So a warm welcome to those who are joining us by Facebook for tonight's talk by Dr. Dur Dan Assis on Spiritism for Time of Crisis. I am Fabricio Sunsão, coordinator of the Spirited Society of Bournemouth, and I'm very pleased that the Society is co-hosting this event with the Pool Christian Spiritualist Church. This is one of a series of events resulting from the fraternal collaboration between our two organizations. Our warm thank you go to Lawrence Saville and his colleagues at the church in Poole. I give a big thank you to Dr. Dan Assis for the talk he's to give us this evening. The subject of crisis is of course highly topic, topical at this time of pandemic. Many of you will also know that Dr. Dan's talks are always educational and inspiring. His message is about love and hope. Dan is highly experienced as an educator and international speaker on spiritism. So his talk tonight promised to be topical, educational, challenging, and inspiring. So before I hand over to them, let us pause for a brief moment of prayer led by Lawrence. Thank you, Fabrizio, and good evening to you, Dan. If you just still your minds just for this short time, leave all your cares, concerns and troubles at the door of your own temple, for this is your time. Divine and infinite spirit, Master God, we ask for your help and assistance at this time. We are beset by our own fears and worries, by our concerns for this, your beautiful world that you have created for us. Help us, guide us and uplift us. Give us that fortitude to carry on, to know that all things are exactly where they should be in accord with your divine plan. And all things are as they should be. But this is our time. This is our time of learning and unfoldment. And we ask too for a very special blessing on those dear ones that depart us daily and the families that they represent. May they be free and released from pain and enjoy the life of spirit once more. And our thoughts too to all those carers, medicals, nurses, doctors, anybody engaged in the art of healing no matter what form it conveys itself to us. May they be guided, uplifted, and held so at this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lawrence. So, ladies and gentlemen, I now hand it over to Dr. Dennis Sis for his talk on the Spiritism for Times of Christ. Good evening, Dan. Good evening, everyone. It is a pleasure to see you here uh, to be virtually present, uh, even at a distance, speaking here all the way from California. And no doubt, uh, I am very grateful to make new friends and get to know you and Lawrence as well. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be able to strengthen this band, this um, these bands of, of, of the spiritual realm, so to speak, by 
by being together even when we are physically distant. Um, these, no doubt, are very different times. They are very difficult times for many of us. I think that we can all agree that only 10 to 12 weeks ago, we may not have ever imagined how we would be living today. We may not have guessed or predicted that the world would be in such an upheaval um, as it is now. Things have certainly changed, haven't they? And I think that it's also fair to say that this pandemic that we are going through, this coronavirus problem, this COVID-19 um, threat that we're all facing, it's something that has touched pretty much every corner of the globe. It is hard to find these days somebody who has not somehow been affected by this new reality that basically has sent the world into a screeching halt, uh, almost as if to put us in a spiritual timeout of sorts to have us reevaluate uh, our lives. But in the, in the process of all this, I am always cognizant of the fact that there is a lot of fear. There is a lot of anger. There is a lot of frustration. There is a lot of different feelings that are bubbling up um, and has really put us in this moment of crisis. And when these moments take place, when we find ourselves in these tough spots, sometimes it's hard for us to really have a sense of um, you know, of what's really happening and to zoom out and to have perspective and to go back to those things that we have been learning over time. And so today, I hope that we can spend a couple of minutes just reflecting about this moment of crisis, uh, what a crisis is from a spiritual perspective, and have also the chance to take a step back to reevaluate our role in this whole process. Through it, I hope that we also find some solace in recovering some of that knowledge and that intuitive feeling that we might already experience in our lives to know that there is a greater force at play. And as Lawrence so aptly described in his opening prayer, that everything is under control. So I hope that you indulge me for a couple of minutes. And if you are interacting, you know, um, and if you want to say hi or just uh, um, pop in some questions every now and then, we'll, we'll try to get to those as well. Um, if these guys don't shut me off because, you know, I do like to talk. Uh, so uh, you guys out there, please put me on a leash. Make sure that um, I am not running out of your time. But I'm extremely grateful to be here because I often say before we begin, there are two great joys that spirituality in general has, and spiritism in particular, have brought to my life. One of them is this amazing knowledge that life goes on that has transformed my personal experience. But the second gift that I didn't really expect is the incredible and amazing people that I have met along the way and the friends that we get to make throughout the world uh, that have really become near and dear to our hearts, such as our friend Fabricio, uh, and all you guys listening out there. So truly a blessing to be here. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and to connect. Um, I'm really excited uh, to be here. I see folks from Miami. I see different people, Nikki, Ashley, um, evening everyone. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about spiritism in times of crisis, right? So I have a little visual here that I'm gonna show with, um, uh, uh, with you guys, for you guys. Let's see if... Uh, the gods of the computer world are going to help us. Um, 
So, look at this. What is this? When you see this, what do you see? Chime in in there if you have any idea, but it seems like a bunch of disjointed pieces of paint, blots, colors. It seems chaotic. It seems disorderly. Seems haphazardly. It seems like it was just something that we can't make um, heads or tail um, about. And I, I wonder if sometimes that's how we feel in the world when we just have all these different things happening to us and we have the sense that things are just randomly taking place, that they're just put there out of luck, out of randomness again. But once we have a chance to think about things a little bit more, I want to share a different perspective with you. Um, let's see here if our uh, things kind of work to get to us. Look at this instead. This is a picture. And that which we were just looking at is nothing but a small piece of that picture, right? And this picture is also, uh, it's actually, um, ooh, my presentation is kind of go, going crazy here today. Uh, the gods of the technological world are not our friends in the moment. Um, but that little swat of color that you see on top is but a little piece of one of the dresses of these ladies in, the, in this picture. And this picture is called Sunday uh, on La Grande Jete, and it's by George Pierre Braque, and it's from 1884. And why do I bring this to us today as we talk about spirituality? You know, hand, hold, hang in there. I, I'm, I'm hoping that the bird walk will make sense and we'll come back to, to what we mean. Um, so if we look closely to that picture that we were talking about, if we just are really, really close to the canvas, then we don't get to see the big picture. We don't get to see the incredible scenario that was laid out with so many different characters and so many different things. If we are really close to the picture, all we see are those blots of paint and in themselves, they might have a beauty to them. If you look at it abstractly, if you really take the time to know, but it is only sometimes when we take a step back that we can really see the picture as a whole. So I wonder, I wonder if in these times of crisis, in these moments of difficulty that we go through where we are struggling with fear, with anger, with anxiety, with uncertainty, if we shouldn't do the same thing, if we couldn't use some of that knowledge that we already have to truly zoom out and see the picture anew. So what we hope to do is to tap into that knowledge and understand why things are happening this way so we can better align our expectations and then change our behavior and our perception uh, and attitude towards the world. So, so come here with me for a second. All right, let's take another aside and talk really quickly about how thoughts affect our emotions and our bodies. Let's uh, shift gears from art to science a little bit. I know that I'm asking you to do a lot today um, but going different places, but trust me, hopefully this will make sense. And if it doesn't, you know, um, you were exposed to different things, but, um, so thoughts and emotions, 
um, thoughts and emotions are deeply connected and that which we think affects our physical body and our response in our physical bodies also impact the way we can think and see the world so imagine this for a second imagine that you are um, going to walk uh, in the woods and you are taking a lovely stroll and a hike in a beautiful day in park near you and all of a sudden you see a tiger in the woods oh wait not that tiger in the woods that's not the tiger i mean i mean this kind of tiger imagine for a second that you see that tiger in the woods and all of a sudden you realize that there's a problem and this tiger is right in front of you and you know that is a threat to your well-being. So what does your body do? Your body starts to manufacture these hormones. And some of them uh, that impact us in moments of stress are cortisol and norepinephrine. And tough words for my small brain to say. And what these hormones do is they make you focus on the threat at hand so that you can have that uh, tunnel vision that allows you to focus on what's really important because your existence is at stake. And they give you extra energy in your body so that if you need to run from that tiger, you can. But in exchange for that, everything that surrounds you stops being in focus. When you're really faced with a tiger, you're not taking the moment to look at the flowers that are right beside you. You're not really taking a moment to reflect um, on to you know, uh, what beautiful day and what a lovely stroll you were having. You are stuck in that moment, in that moment of decision, in the moment of crisis that, um, as Melissa is saying so aptly, that flight, fight, or freeze. And in that moment, we have three choices. Sometimes we call it flight or fight, but it's really three. Flight, fight, and freeze. We can either stay where we are, like deers caught in the headlight. We can run away, or we can decide to fight this, figure this out. And by fighting, we mean figure this out. And so we can do this because once we tackle that moment of crisis and we feel the joy of figuring things out, something else happens. We are also uh, the victim, so to say, of a different kind of hormone, a different kind of response, that happiness, which is really guided by serotonin and dopamine, right? These hormones get produced in our brains that change the way we look at the world. And research into, um, uh, uh, you know, neurology in general tell us that once we are in a happy place of mind, when those hormones are really the ones who are flooding our brain, we are able to see more possibilities, we are able to see the world in a broader perspective because we are no longer uh, feeling threatened by the situation at hand. So anytime that we are under stress, we are narrowing our perception of the world and of ourselves. And anytime that we are happy, that we are lighter, we can see the possibilities a lot more around us. So our goal in these moments of crisis, in a way, is to shift from that mode of fear and anger and anxiety that makes us see just the immediate threat in front of us to a larger perspective that allows us to see not only the tiger in the trail, but also the trees around us and a different way that we can take to avoid that tiger. Does that make sense? So I say this 
because I want to frame this from a physical perspective because it's important for us to understand that these challenges that we, f uh, we face with the COVID virus, they're serious. We're not saying that they're not serious. We're not saying that we shouldn't be prudent. We're not saying that we shouldn't wash our hands and take care uh, of ourselves. But we're also asking ourselves to open our minds, our souls, and our hearts to the possibility that there is a bigger picture that sometimes we are not seeing, that we are not watching, because we are so focused on the threat at hand. And sometimes when we are so focused on the threat at hand, even physically, neurologically, we shut ourselves down to other possibilities and we tap into perhaps the not so elegant, instinctual part of us that says we should survive at all costs. Um, and we perhaps do some things and carry ourselves in ways that are not really flattering, but don't benefit ourselves or even others because we are not thinking straight. And one example I can give you that we had here in the United States during this uh, challenge is everybody went to the supermarkets and they bought toilet paper uh, which I still don't understand why, because it's not a gastrointestinal virus. That's a different conversation. Um, and they bought hand sanitizer. And I was thinking, wow, this is an interesting perspective. Everybody's buying hand sanitizers. But if everybody buys hand sanitizers and uh, others around them cannot buy hand sanitizer, it won't work. Because you can clean your own hand. But if other people still have their hands dirty, when they interact with you, you are still going to be susceptible to catching the virus. So in this moment of panic, of stress, we think of ourselves uh, through a fear lens and we just do what we think we need to do to protect ourselves, forgetting that golden rule that it's important for us to do unto others what we would like to do unto ourselves. That is, that if other people also have hand sanitizer, it benefits me. That everybody's victory or everybody's uh, well-being means my well-being too. So in a biological way, I think that this COVID virus is teaching us a lesson to go back to this idea that a rising tide lifts all boats, that nobody wins until everybody wins. That is calling us to reflect about these important moments on our planet where just taking care of oneself is not enough. It's no longer sufficient. That we also need to think and wake up to this larger spiritual reality to understand that taking care of ourselves means also taking care of others. Because in taking care of others, we take care of ourselves. And from a, spirit, from a, a strictly selfish perspective, when we are taking care of others and others are taking care of us, there's actually more others than us. So it makes sense, mathematically speaking, that it would benefit us to take care of others because there's more of them watching out for us. So even in a selfish way, you want to have more people taking care of yourself than just yourself. So it's a really interesting perspective that has led us to shift. But here's what I really, really would like to get at, right? What I really want to get at is we as spiritists and as spiritualists, we already know these things. What is happening is that in this moment in time, 
where we are afraid for our physical lives, which is understandable and is an instinctual piece, we are forgetting to go back to that which is the core of what we know and actually who we are. This idea that we are spirits. We ourselves are spiritual beings. We are not physical bodies that have a spirit. We are a spirit that is now inside um, being clothed by a physical body. And that's a fundamental difference, but it's an awareness that I feel like we are being called to reflect on. Because when we are connected to the spiritual realm as we are, when we have had the chance to understand that there is a constant connection with the spiritual world, we have so many chances and so many possibilities and opportunities to be reminded on a daily or weekly basis that there is something more than the physical body. Here in our activities, we talk and connect with the spirits on a daily and a weekly basis. And so why is it that we are forgetting that part? Why is it that we are forgetting that even if what is the worst thing that we can possibly conceive of when it comes to the coronavirus, and the worst possible scenario that we can think of is that we may lose our own lives, our own physical lives. And that would be, no doubt, very hard for, for many of us. But it is not the end of things. Because we know, out of experience, that life goes on. And why do we know that? Because we talk to the spirits. We receive their messages. We hear their calling. We feel them at times. And they remind us every single day that we are more than meets the eye. So as we are faced with this crisis, we want to go back to this key idea, especially us in the spiritualist realm or community who have a chance to interact with spirit on a daily basis. When we do that, when we zoom out, take that step back from watching that picture and on, you know, on our screen or perhaps even at a museum, when we take the step back to see the bigger picture, we need to remind ourselves that there is a purpose to this, that even if our physical body perishes, we will live on and so will anyone who we know and love. Because after all, we don't stop leaving, um, loving those who have departed the physical realm, do we? So why do we think or forget that they will not love us once they are departed. The bonds of love transcend the physical realm. So we do well to remember this in these moments. We do well to go back to our basics. And what are our basics? What are the things that the spirits keep telling us over and over to time? First and foremost, that there is a God, that there is a supreme creator, that there is a source of all things in the universe. You might call it God, you might call it one, you might call it the Tao, you might call it the guiding, organizing, designing principle of the universe. The name is not as important. Although I know that sometimes we have trouble with terms because we have had bad experiences with them. I even jokingly play sometimes saying that, you know, God could also be the grand old dude, whatever it is. There is a guiding, organizing, designing force to the universe that oversees everything. The painter that has painted a beautiful picture that we only see 
swatches of. And once we understand that, and once we go back to our idea of God, which is the creator of all things, source of supreme intelligence, of kindness and love, we know that we will never be faced with a challenge beyond our ability to meet it. Because if God gave us a problem that we could not solve, that would be a unkind and unloving God, and by definition, would not be God. So every problem, when we zoom out from our physical frame and think about our spiritual selves, is really a compliment. It is a spiritual compliment. It is God in the universe that, uh, saying, I am going to give you something that will help you grow and you will be better for it. It's just hard to understand that as we are going through the moment of crisis, because we don't see the big picture, we're only seeing the little dots. But when we are able to zoom out, we begin to understand, aha, the creator, the source of all love, of all order, of all wisdom in the universe has chosen to put this in front of us. So there is a purpose. There is a learning to be had here. And once we understand that, we go back to that which the spirits have also been telling us for ages and ages and ages. In all of our history as a humanity, we have had spirit communication. We might not have called it mediumship because that's a term coined by Allan Kardec in the 1850s, but there were different names. We had had prophets, we had shamans, we had um, uh, uh, pythons, we had different names for oracles. Throughout our history, we have had a chance to be exposed to this revelation from the spiritual realm, from the spirits who are nothing more than us after we shed our physical body, or as Shakespeare would say, shed this mortal coil, right? And are in our true sense of self over there. They are calling us and telling us to awaken and remind ourselves to that which we are. And that which we are is a spirit in constant evolution. And that is the second concept that I wish we could maintain here in our minds, is that everything that we are is in constant evolution. Everything that we see is in constant evolution. The spirits tell us. Which means that who we are today is the result of everything that we have ever done before. And so we're always evolving. We're always growing spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, and so forth. In this process of evolution, we are becoming better. So these challenges, these compliments sort in a roundabout way that are thrown towards us, they are geared to make us grow and learn because if we are left to our own devices at times, we wouldn't grow. We would sit and just watch Netflix all day long. We sometimes need a little bit of a prod. We need a little bit of a push because we are not making progress um, fast enough and God, all loving as God is, has to sometimes push us forward collectively because we have settled in our own ways and we have forgotten a little bit of our essence, of a spiritual essence of constant evolution. And so these moments are not moments of punishment. The word crisis itself has come to mean uh, for us in the, you know, nowadays as it's like a moment that is difficult, that is challenging, but the origin of the world in Greek really is decision. 
This is a moment of decision, a moment of for us to decide how is it that we are going to reframe our experiences. Now, we are very fortunate in the spiritual um, side of things because we have had exactly what we were talking about before. We have had the blessing of, understand, of understanding and practicing mediumship. We are very, very, very blessed, and we should take a step back to consider that. See, all religious thinkings, uh, uh, philosophies or, or of organizations or processes, or what have you, have always pointed to the idea that there is an afterlife. All religions promise you that there is an afterlife, but all of them knock at the door of eternity, but they don't open it that clearly. They don't tell you what it looks like. But spiritism and spirituality and spiritualism as a whole in this context of mediumship shows us how life looks like on the other side. It gives us from an empirical and a practical perspective an insight in what it is to cross the boundary of the living to the so-called dead. Um, basically, spiritualism Spiritism, mediumship, kills the dead. There is no more dead. They're only living. They're only different realms of life. And that's a fascinating thing that I wonder if we are internalizing that to our day-to-day -day lives. Because once we do, shouldn't that slightly take some of the fear we feel away? The fear of and the anxiety about physical death. Shouldn't that be waned or quenched in a certain way, shouldn't it, shouldn't it die down a bit, to use a bad choice of words? Shouldn't it really start to go away because we have the certainty that we are going to outlive our physical bodies? Sometimes we get so hung up in the trials of life that we just want that assurance that everything is going to be okay. So we seek to contact the loved ones on the other side. And that's valid and that's great. But I think and I wonder if, if these moments are not the moments in which we are actually asked to not just seek for solace and connect with those and make sure that those around us are okay, which is also very important, but to really start to let it percolate in our souls what are the implications of this knowledge that we have? If I really believe in the existence of the spirits, shouldn't I also start to reevaluate my fears about death? Shouldn't I also spend more time thinking about how and when it will happen? How and when I will cross over? And am I prepared to do so at this time? These are very difficult questions. Questions that society has not prepared us to really face. We, we live in, our, in a world today, in, in a world that basically tries to evade the topic of death and dying. And, I, and it's even hard for us to talk about because we haven't really been brought to think about it. Our schools tell us about knowledge and understanding, prepare us for life, but very little that we do as a group of people has really prepared us to face this greatest transition the only certainty, as Benjamin Franklin said, that we are going to face in life, other than taxes. He said death and taxes. But taxes we can handle somehow. Death is, has been proven to be a little bit harder. But this COVID situation, as I sometimes like to call it, has 
forced us to grapple with this inner sense of mortality that we have not really tackled. Even in our spiritualist practice, sometimes we think about the death of other people. But have we considered our own passing? If you were to happen today, how would you feel about your life? Would you change anything today if you knew that three months from now you were scheduled, so to speak, to return to your true home, the spiritual realm? Would you live life differently? Would you have things that are still unresolved that you would like to take care of that you haven't? And if the question is yes, then the question that follows is a really hard one too is, so why are we not doing those things? Why is it that we are not thinking with our spiritual selves? Why are we only up close to the canvas and not taking this time to zoom out? I mean, I was thinking about it the other day and I reached the conclusion of something that kind of jolted me. It's quite possible that most of us in a society will spend more time in our entire lives, throughout our lives, brushing our teeth than thinking of ourselves as spiritual beings. And if we don't think, if we don't practice these things, then it becomes hard for us to achieve this new mentality, to change our minds and to let us see things from a different perspective, to zoom out, out of that group, uh, couple of blots in a picture and to see the beautiful canvas that the universe affords us, that God has created for us, that the spirits keep repeating to us. So I say that because um, I, I really want to make the transition from spirituality and spiritism as something that you do on a day and on a certain place to a lens through which you see the world. Have you stopped to think of yourself as a, a mortal spirit and look around others and also think of them as immortal spirits? Do this exercise. Next time that you are walking around after this crisis has gone by and we are back in the public, stop for a second and say, wow, look at that. All of those bodies moving are spirits with incredible histories to them. With how many lifetimes of knowledge and practical challenges and sufferings and moments of happiness, all of them are constantly changing just like we are. All of them have their story. And as we begin to see a, a world that's more dynamic, that's shifting, that sees people not just at the physical body that they're in right now, but as the result of all these things, something really great starts to happen. We start to feel more tolerant and more indulgent of others. We start to be more tolerant with ourselves too, because if it means that we are the process of many different lifetimes behind us. It also means that we are going to continue to evolve towards God and wisdom and light and love and the many more lives that we're going to have to come. So why is it that we're only focused on the negative? Why is it that we only um, focus on that which we cannot uh, let go of? Why can't we f um, really care about that which is coming forward? Can we go back to the idea of looking forward and not just looking down to our feet. Can we really return to the core of everything that we are really talking about in our daily uh, experiences, in our weekly uh, sermons, on our um, 
thinking in general, can we go back to that which is the core of things? And the core of things for us spiritists is the spirit, right? You cannot have spiritism without spirit. We cannot truly come into this idea of mental and eventually physical liberation without fully internalizing that spiritual essence. So the question of the hour, I feel like, is this idea that we need to make this mental shift. Because once we do, once we begin to see ourselves at spirits who are temporarily on this earth for different purposes, and those purposes have to grow and learn, we begin to see life different and fear begins to die down a little bit. And we are able to focus on that what matters, not only on the tiger in front of us, but in the beauty that is around us. We can see fear and anger and hatred, but we can also see the beauty of the human heart that has been ever more apparent during moments of crisis, of choice. Which side are we going to choose to listen to? That fear in us or the joy and compassion in us? I see people offering to drive other people places or get groceries and food for them. I see people connecting with people that they haven't connected in a very long time saying, you know what, this is very important for me to be to have some time with you. I see people being kind to each other and really rethinking and reaching the conclusion that maybe their lives were overly busy with things that didn't matter as much. But now we can see it because we are forced to go into this spiritual timeout and reevaluate things. And I wonder if it's going to be a missed opportunity for all of us if after this pandemic is done, because we will conquer it. Science and knowledge and love will, will prevail. It always does, because God is there. When all of this is done, do we really want to go back to the way it was before? If we do, then we might forget the purpose of all these trials, of all these tribulations, which is to get us to move forward. There is no going back, people. We can go back to the world as it was, but we are going to be different. We are always evolving as spirits. So what is the lesson that we take from all of this? What is the calling of the moment to change our perspectives? I am often reminded of our older brother, the Christ, Jesus, who has come to show us the way and teach us a fundamental lesson that we sometimes forget. The life always wins. We often hold Jesus in the cross with our minds. We often see him suffering. The images that we have built for ourselves for many lifetimes, perhaps, is this idea of a bleeding body on a cross. But is it really the message that has been echoed through the times? Is it really the core of his message? It has taken me a while to understand for myself that the core of his message is that he has won over life, that he ha has come back from the so-called dead to show us that all of us can do these things, that all of us will win over life in different ways. All of us will survive our worst days, will be abandoned, forgotten, stepped on, felt, feel, uh, will feel somewhat um, forlorn, but all of this will pass and we are going to continue to, to live. We are going to continue to grow. And if that's the case, then why don't we look at that perspective of our older brother, our older spiritual brother who continues to call us forward, 
to this new reality of the spirit? How is it that um, we can shift our minds to do what sometimes the apostle Paul called to be in the world without being of the world? How can we change our perspectives and bring the spirit communications that we see, witness, experience on a weekly basis here and elsewhere into our daily lives and say, I am no longer just satisfied with knowing that spirituality is there, but I also want to bring that into this world. I want to make that the reality for everything else because one great awareness that has come to me too when I was reading this wonderful book that we, we have as a foundation for spiritism called The Spirits Book uh, is that there perhaps is a, there's a twofold perspective to things. In, in it, there's a wonderful question that Kardec asks the enlightened spirits. Uh, it's question 132 because it stuck with me. and says, basically, what is the purpose of, of life? What are we reincarnating in this planet? And the spirit says, to evolve, to develop, and all the things that we already feel intuitively, that we are here to grow and learn. But later on, it took me a while to catch it. There is another, another aspect to it, too. There's two things that we have come to do. We have come to grow and learn, but we have also come to do, as they say, play our part in the creation. We also have a role. We are also co-creators. God, divinity, is asking us to be co-painters of that picture to also help others. And so through our example, through our understanding of spirituality, through our acceptance of this ultimate reality that we are not this physical body, that this is just the clothes that we wear this time, that the Dan that you see here today will look different in, an, in, a, in a future life and it has looked different in a previous life. Once we accept all of that, then we have a role in modeling confidence love, behavior, steadfastness, and go about our business in the best possible way so that the world can move on because the world evolves too. And so it's really important for us to kind of shift that and, and take that into our daily lives and, and remember that. Um, one image that comes to mind that I really like from the New Testament is uh, it's that idea of Jesus calming the storm. And you might remember that brief story to kind of wrap us up. Um, they go in a boat in the evening and they have fall prey to a great torment, a great storm, and the boat is about to to capsize, they feel like. So they awaken Jesus, who is sleeping in the back. I don't know how one can be sleeping in a storm, right? But they awaken Jesus uh, in the back and then Jesus calms the storm the storm. And I wonder if that that symbolism is really fortunate for our times. I wonder if we forget that this storm that we're going in is really an outside storm that has manifested in, internally. That when we calm our inner storm by remembering these values and this knowledge that spirit brings us, that we can see the storm outside calm, that we can live in the middle of a funky world, that a difficult world that is going sideways on us if we are centered and calm in our spiritual essence. And that awaking Jesus really means awakening all the spiritual knowledge that we have gathered about the message that he brought to us, which is that life is never ending. So when we bring that up, I think the storm on the outside world calms down. We're able to change our perspective, but it takes time and it takes effort. And it takes zooming out because when we are in the storm, all we see the storm. We forget why we got in the boat in the first place. We got in the boat to get to the other side, to grow. 
And so I hope that in these moments of crisis, we are also going to be able to pivot our mental perspective from seeing crisis as challenges that threaten our physical life and livelihood to opportunities to grow that really empower our spirits, the spirit part of creation to move for, forward and to get to the other side, to get into a more beautiful world where everybody will um, help each other. What a lovely and wonderful scenario it will be when we get to a society that it's more caring, more loving, more open about what truly matters. Um, so I think the invitation of the moment is for us to consider that. I know that I've been pondering that quite a bit in everything I do and saying, how can I bring that to my daily life? How can I reflect upon that which I have learned through mediumship, through spiritism, to spiritualism, to rethinking the role of the Christ uh, in my life? Um, how can we change all of that to focus on the future ahead and not get stuck in this moment that doesn't let us see the big picture. So my wish for you is that in your journeys, you may also constantly be able to zoom out, take the step back and consider that everything that you're facing right now is just a moment, just a moment in your existence and that you're going to conquer it because you have conquered all your bad days. You have a 100% success rate in overcoming your challenges from the past. You are here today and everything that you have ever done in this life and lives before have prepared you to face this and overcome and succeed in this difficult moment. You were literally born for this. You were trained for this. And the spirits on the other side support you and love you and continue to inspire you. And you are never alone because you're a child of God. God would never leave us alone. So from my heart to your heart, please remember to tap into that joy. Remember to go back to that which you learned. The life is never ending. And it may not take all our troubles away, but it will help them be smaller or feel smaller. And that will bring us a lot of comfort. So, so thank you for your time. I don't know if we have time for questions or interactions, but I want to thank our, our friends um, from the Spiritualist Church. I also want to thank my friend uh, Fabricio, who um, was great to see on screen there for a little bit as well. I am so happy that we have a chance to remind each other of our true essence that we have a chance to remind ourselves who we truly are. And this is just a moment in time. So let's think with our spiritual brains and avoid the tiger in front of us and really conquer the moment and move forward to the next challenge because there will be more. Dan, wow, absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Sat there totally transfixed. Uh, I will never forget Tiger Woods, not to be afraid of him. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Fabricio, over to you. You need to unmute your mic, my friend. Okay, so um, Dan, we have some message here that I would like to read to you and a few questions as well, please. So I have got one here from Nikki that say, lovely, lovely man, you make so much sense and giving food for thought. Thank you so much. Well, can you tell that to my wife? That would be great. Um, if you can tell her that I make sense, it would make my life a lot better during this quarantine time. So I really appreciate that. But thank you for your kind words. It's really great to be with you guys here today. $10 and we'll do it. <laughs> Put it in my tab. Okay. <laughs> Another question is from Jamie. He says, Dan, 
In my experience, most people fear the process of death rather than death itself. So how do you think we can overcome this fear? Hi, Jamie. You know, I think very similarly as well. Um, I also think that uh, um, I've pondered over this and I think that uh, I'm not afraid of, of death. What I am afraid of is dying. I think there's a difference, right? Um, I am afraid of suffering, of being in pain, um, but I'm not afraid of death because I have been so fortunate to come across spiritism and spiritualism and see what it looks like and talk to the spirits on the other side. So once you know that, it brings me some comfort and joy in knowing that um, I have a good idea of what what the other side looks like. I, I don't see the whole picture because I'm still here, right? I'm too close to the canvas. I can't see the big picture, um, but it brings joy into my heart. Now, at the same time, I also have to unlearn all this fear and joy and um, anxiety that I have had not only from this life, but from other previous lives, right? We bring with us those habits. So it's not natural that we fear death. What helps me is to do this, is to step back from the canvas and to constantly remind, because the learning is repetition, right? It's, we have to repeat that. And that's why it's so great to have conversations such as this one on a weekly basis, because it's us bringing that to our physical brains, that which we already know in our spiritual minds, that we are going to survive this. Um, and more and more we have proof of the existence of, uh, of life after life, not only because we think it's there or because somebody told us there it's there, but because we see that replicated often. We see mediumistic phenomena happening all over the world all the time. And if something's happening everywhere with people that don't know each other, and it keeps happening again and again, it's scientific proof, right? That if something is replicated, that is indeed the truth. And we also have other things to point at. We have people who remember past lives spontaneously, and they can only do that if they had past lives. So it means that they've survived their past lives. We have people um, who, uh, you know, who have uh, uh, all different kinds of ways of, of knowing. There's like five different things that you can look at that we kind of, assure you that there's out-of-body experiences, there's near-death experiences, right? All these different things that tell us that our spirit can outlive or live outside our physical body. So practice by reminding yourself of that, of that, of that, oh my God, tongue twister, of death, and then you will overcome death, at least the fear of that. But it takes time and it won't happen all of a sudden. And it's okay. And it's okay for it not to happen all of a sudden. But it takes practice and takes conversation because where else do you have a chance to talk about these important things in the world out there? Let's be honest. If you go outside and talk to somebody, which you shouldn't because right now you should be inside, just remember that. But when you have a chance to talk to your friends, how often does the topic of death of, not death of the end of physical body, but the life after life come up? It's really hard in our society, so we haven't really been set up. And these are things that we have to transform. I'm not saying go strike a conversation in the pub about spiritual life. I'm saying how can you bring them more often um, into your sense of self in the forefront of your thinking so that you give yourself time to be acquainted? Because these big ideas take time to take hold. I often think that the longest journey we do it is a 20-inch journey between our minds and our hearts, right? Sometimes we know things, 
But until we repeat them and make them part of our reality, we don't feel them. And sometimes our hearts and minds get disconnected. And as we were saying, sometimes that those hormones and those responses cloud our spiritual vision, right? So, so true. Um, I think that the way to overcome that, at least for me, is to remind myself on a very frequent, and I try to do it on a weekly basis, of the presence of death. And that death is not this big monster that we have made it to be. Um, we talk to the so-called dead all the time. They brings us wisdom. They brings us love. You know, it's not so bad to be dead, so to speak. Um, of course, we don't want to rush it. Uh, we have a role to play here. Uh, but contact with spirituality and learning and reading and asking questions and talking to people and sharing impressions and thinking of yourself as a spiritual being might go a long way in calming that fear that we bring with us, which is part of our instinct, right? That those hormones to prevent ourselves from, from um, simply dying and not having a chance to experience all these things. So all that instinct has served us well for the past. Now in this new era, the era of the spirit, we need to learn to be proactive over reactive. We need to learn how to tone down our instincts of self-preservation in favor of our actions of spiritual development i think that that helps me that's kind of what i do i think people might have different perspectives but uh remembering that we're spirits and doing constantly i think is the way to go for me thank you dan uh do we have time for a more one more question or are we we have all the time i can just leave this running and go to bed absolutely <laughs> fine and you to carry on not a problem <laughs> take as long as <laughs> We're all locked indoors. We're not going to go anywhere. All right. <laughs> okay. So, Lawrence, there is a question from Susan. It's quite a long question, and I actually yeah. cannot read the whole question on my screen. Can you read it out for us, please? I can do better. Aha. Oh, here you go. It automatically popped up on our screens. Look at that. So Susan asks us, do you feel one of the problems people have with seeing the spirit in each other is that they only see the physical body and the ego, which is a form of data programming from childhood, society, etc. And that is part of the problem of only seeing the physical form. And therefore, when the form dies, there is nothing rather than the spirit energy living on. The, on. And therefore, there is a fear of death because of ceasing to exist because of a fixation on what physical form has been alive. Yes, Susan, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that we have paid so much attention and been told that we should only listen to that which our eyes can see or our fingers can touch, this empirical perspective to things that has also served us well, right? That we have trouble to seeing that which is invisible to the eye. And as the little prince says, right? What is important is invisible to the eye. Um, and so... And sometimes that belief of just seeing and touching the physical and only believing that is held to be a scientific one. Oh, no, I have a scientific mindset. I can only believe in that which I hold. But the truth is, science has been showing us that is not the case. Follow here with me on this thinking process. We have, with time, developed our scientific sense to understand that there are spirit, there is a invisible forces that act upon us. There's electricity, there's magnetism, uh, there's all these different things that have been 
gravitational pulls, all these different forces that which we cannot see yet they exist and they exert a palpable influence in our lives. Um, we, I honestly feel that some uh, scientists are truly uh, incredible spiritual missionaries. I think of uh, Mesmer, I think of um, uh, Maxwell, who came up with a unified theory of electromagnetic fields, and all of these people have come to teach us great lessons that only now we're beginning to understand, that, that there's more than meets the eye. In fact, we cannot even trust our eyes because sometimes there is physical and optical illusion, so we have come to understand that there's more than meets the eyes. And I'll go one step further. If we, all that we carry is matter, science has, always led us, has also led us to dive deeper into matter. What is matter? Matter is a conglomeration of atoms, right? But what are atoms? They are made of different parts, electrons, newtons, and protons. And did you know that there's more empty space between them than there is matter? So we are truly made out of empty space, which is curious because we can touch and feel. But I go a step further. Even electrons and neutrons and protons are themselves made of subatomic particles that are even smaller and smaller and quarks and all these things that scientists are explaining. So what I'm saying is, at the foundational level of all matter, according to physics and quantum physics, is energy. So, science, the more it advances, it basically kills materialism. It's ingenious the way God has orchestrated things. The more we develop our, our scientific knowledge, we realize that there's more than meets the eyes. And at the end of the day, it's not about matter. Matter truly is energy. And spirit is nothing but a form of energy, the quintessential form of energy. I hope that makes sense. So, yes. So how can we practice seeing beyond the physical? We have to have these conversations. We have to remind ourselves of the experiences that we have and know that that which you see right now is not who I am. That which you look in the mirror is just a snapshot in time of who you are. You are not your physical body. If you were to, have you ever seen those uh, detective shows or real life things where they cover the face of the person who is going to um, give some important testimony and they then, um, you know, hide their voices and do the electronic piece and you can't tell who is there. You can only hear what they're saying, but not through their voice. I always wonder, like, if we did that with our friends and with ourselves, would we recognize who we are? Would we recognize who we are by the essence of what we speak? Would we recognize our friends by the essence of what they say and do rather than just paying attention to the physical? It's so hard. It's so hard. We're so entrenched in the physical that it's um, difficult to make this leap. But I think this is the leap that is it's required of the time because we had revelations before through physical figures. We needed gurus, right? We had, for instance, in Christianity and the Judaico tradition, Christian Judaico tradition, we had Moses, we had Jesus. But now we are learning that this revelation, this new knowledge, it's coming not through somebody, but through something, right? Through a spirit. We have our mediums speaking, not of themselves. The person who is telling us those things is no longer in physical format. We see the medium, we hear the medium. But we are being asked to pay attention to the idea, 
to the spirit. That's a really hard thing because we still want, we're still so attached to the physical form that we want to touch, that we want a person, we want a, a medium, we want a guru that's going to show us the way. But I wonder if we need to kind of make all efforts to judge the message, right? The book, not by its cover, but by the quality of the content. So it's very hard to make that shift, but we're so fortunate that we already have all that we need to begin to believe in this new reality of the spirit because we see that every day. The more we see mediumistic effects, mediumistic communications, we are convinced in our hearts that there is something beyond the physical. And so we need to train our minds to accept that as well. That takes time though. Learning takes time and it's uncomfortable. So yes, I think that we need to continue to do our best to see beyond the physical in people and not just think that they are that picture in time, that body in time. They're more than that and, and we are too. So let's give ourselves some grace as well and be tolerant because we're always changing. But I think it's a brilliant observation, Susan. I, I very much agree with you. Another question there for Luciana. Hi, Luciana. I was reading the book Genesis from Kardec, and on the chap on chapter eighteen, he anticipated what is happening now. Could you talk about it, please? Are you sure you want me to keep on talking? Because I can. <laughs> um, um, so I think that's a fascinating book. Uh, the Genesis, it's a book uh, that was the fifth book that Alain Kardec uh, put together. Um, and Alain Kardec is the pseudonym, is the, the, the name that the spirits said uh, a French educator called Rivail, uh, Hippolyte Léon de Nizard Rivail, should use. Because he was not to use his own name because that was not his work. He was a contributor. He was an editor. But it was not his work because, again, we didn't want to have a guru, right? So the spirits were already telling us it's time to break away from the form and focus on the spirit. So this is the fifth book he wrote uh, or he put together from spiritual messages that he had received. Um, and so one of the reasons why in spiritism you're going to find, like the spirits book that I mentioned, you're going to find a lot of question and ask format, right? The spirits book, it's a fascinating book, but it's not an exciting book because you don't sit down on a Friday night and say, I'm just going to read this book from beginning to end because it could be dry because it questions and answers form. It's not like a novel, right? Um, but that is to that is made on purpose so that we can be closer to the primary source of what the spirits are saying. So there is no interpreter in between. So there's less of a filter. Um, and Genesis is also the case. The last chapter of the Genesis, which is a book dedicated to going back and reevaluating all these different miracles and predictions of the Christ, now that we know through all the books that came before that there is life after life, that there is spirit communication, that there is the immortality of the soul, that there is reincarnation, how can we go back and reevaluate all these things? And, and that chapter, which is actually very symbolic because it's the last chapter of the Genesis, uh, Kardec brings forth some of the messages that he has received at the Spirit Society of Paris in the 1860s and some others that were sent to him as well, where many different spirits tell us that um, in the 1860s, uh, when they were really uh, shaking things up, uh, mediumistically speaking, where there was a lot more physical uh, mediumship or physical effects, when tables were moving, when, uh, you know, the tipping tables and all that kind of stuff, the spirits were doing so to awaken us to this spiritual reality that was always there, 
But because we already had the scientific and philosophical knowledge as a whole to understand it, it was time to take it a step further. And so they call it the era of the spirit. And that's how spiritism came about and how we started to democratize this idea of mediumship. And long story short, maybe for another time, we'll talk about that. But the Genesis is really interesting because the spirits have been telling us that we are going to, as a whole, as a world, going to this moment of transformation. That's not going to happen in, in one hour, in one day, in one year. It's, COVID is not it, right? It's part of this transition that the planet as a whole is going through because the planet also evolves. We each evolve individually, but as a collective, we also evolve. And so these moments are somewhat predicted and they match the old Christian thinking that we see from early on, from the prophecies and so forth about uh, what sometimes is called the apocalypse, right? The end of times. That's also a really tough word because we have changed our understanding of that word with time and we think that the end of times, apocalypse, is the end of the world and that the world is going to disappear and explode or what have you. But that's because we think our physical minds. Jesus was not about our physical minds. Physical was about our spirit. So we need to understand that spiritually. The apocalypse, which is a Greek term called, uh, which really means to uncover, to reveal, right? So the apocalypse is not the end of the, the world, but it's a revelation of our true spiritual selves. So I do believe that in the past 150 years, and maybe for another 100 or so, we are going to continue as a society in this process of revealing what really matters, our spiritual essence. So the world is going to end, yes, but not physically. The world as it is, the ways in which we carry ourselves, the selfishness, the materialism, the focus on just our people versus other people, our family versus other family, our country versus other countries, the us versus them mentality is going to end. That world is going to be left behind. What's going to happen is together, we are going to craft this new world through our own efforts because we need to do that. We need to realize what we find in the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, bringing that heaven into earth. Right? We, it's our job to make this happen. Nobody's going to make that for us. We are the ones who are going to do it. But we are going to create this new world where people are going to be kinder, nicer to each other. Where they're going to collaborate instead of compete because that makes more sense. Uh, because it benefits everybody. That world is coming and it's not coming fast enough. So we are going to have to face these challenges along the way, such as the current pandemic that we are facing. Because we need that jolt to rethink how we're acting. When we lag behind a little bit, um, divinity comes and shakes us up just enough to make sure that we're moving. Uh, we often say that we either learn out of love or out of pain. Um, you know, if we're not proactively learning, somebody's going to push us out of a comfort zone and make sure that we continue to move on because we must move on. Everything in nature always moves on. So the chapter 18 is really a fascinating one because it, it points to that and it points to that 800 and uh, 163 years ago, 150 years ago, thereabouts, um, just to remember that which has been told us, has, which has been told uh, to us for thousands of years, ever since this incredible spirit of magnitude that we cannot comprehend, Jesus, the Christ, come, came to be with us and to say, pay attention to the spirit over the physical. Right, And so he has been preparing the way for us and many other beautiful spiritual messengers along the way have been echoing this message that we need to change. We need to pay attention to the spirit. 
And it's got to a point that now we have interactions with the spirits on a regular basis. It's amazing how much progress we have made, but it's not enough. So if you have a chance and you're interested, that last chapter, chapter 18, and actually a little bit of chapter 17, has some thinking that Kardec brings forth based on some of the communications that some interesting spirits have shared with us about these difficult times that we are going through. Not for us to forget that these times are not a time of punishment or the end of times, but they are the storm in the middle of the lake before we get to the other side. That we need to keep an eye on the prize, and the prize is our spiritual evolution, our collective spiritual evolution, right? When we get to this better world that we need to create through our own actions. I hope that makes sense, and I hope that piques your interest to kind of take a, a quick read in that book too. It's a very fascinating resource for, for those who want to dive a little bit deeper. Lawrence, you're on the mute. Oh, if only we could mute anybody. <laughs> Over to you for free show. Um, last question then, and then I will hand it over to Lawrence for the closure prayer. So this question comes from Eddie, and he says about incarnation. Everyone thinks they are sequential. Is it possible that my next incarnation could be in the past, or do we live several incarnations simultaneously? Ooh, Eddie, I'm going to try to make this um, short for the interest of time and share my perspective. I love that question. It's one that I've asked myself too. Um, uh, I think that they are sequential, and I think that they two don't happen simultaneously because I think it's hard for us to split our focus. And I still think that we are, let me back up a little bit and see why, and, and, and share why I think that way. Um, I think the key to understanding this is the concept of time. Time is a complex beast for us to really understand. It's really hard for us to understand time. Um, I think that time is really here for us because at our level of intellectual development, we have trouble comprehending everything at once. We need to be focused on small chunks of things because our brains have not yet gotten to that Christ consciousness level, to that divine level where we can really see many things at once. I think we're beginning to kind of expand our awareness. But even when we discarnate, when we leave our physical bodies, we don't have this all-knowing perspective. It takes many, I don't know how many incarnations to get there. Um, so I do think that time helps us because it helps us focus on little chunks to process at a time. And so it helps us also give a sense of momentum and see linearity and build on the consequence of our actions. And a lot of nature, it seems, is based on cause and consequence. We trigger something, there's a consequence to it. And the consequence is always linear too. So nature is telling us that, um, that, uh, that the world works in this manner for the time being, right? So it makes sense that we would also have our, our incarnations for me in a linear way because we have to be the bearer of the results of our actions. That's how we learn. So if we do an action today and it has consequences in the future, we are responsible for that. So that's why it kind of moves forward because if we're able to jump back too, we evade those consequences, right? And it, it makes it very complex. So. I do think that they move forward. I do think that we don't split two, um, um, two incarnations on one because I don't think we need to. 
I think that our consciousness cannot be in two places at the same time yet. So I think that for the time being, in our time of evolution, we are one incarnation and we are moving forward. Now, all of that to say, this is where I think it blows my mind a little bit, is that's our reality because we live within time because our consciousness is still very limited. We're still teenagers, spiritually speaking. We think we're all that, but we're just moving out of our teenage years in terms of awareness here on, on the planet. But there are others who have gone through this, like our brother, the Christ, and his ability to understand things is far more advanced. And he can see things way farther than we can. That's why he was able to predict thousands of years ago what would happen today. And if we take a step further and we go to the source of all things, God, we also have to understand that for God to be God, God created everything else. So God also created time. That means that God is not subject to time, which means God is outside of time. So I hope this makes sense. But the way I see it, God sees everything at once because God's not constrained by time, but we are. So that's why God can know our entire path, even though we have made a choice to make uh, and to take that path. We're still taking the choice. It's not preordained. But God, because God's outside of time, has seen our choice. It's sort of like God standing at the top of a mountain and see some hikers climbing from the bottom of the mountain up. You can already see where they're going based on how they're pointing. So time is a very compl complex issue, and I, I love dabbling in, in that and, and kind of twisting my brain. But I do think that our incarnatory process is one where we're always moving forward uh, because that's also the, what nature seems to tell us that how advancement goes. Right, so that's uh, that's how I see it based on my understanding of what the spirits uh, have shared with us, um, not only in the spiritist codification, but also in other um, uh, conversations in general. So, and I'm glad too because I think I have a lot to work on one incarnation at a time. Um, that seems to be really hard for me <laughs> to handle this life at a time. Handling two at a time would be very, very complex. Thank you, Dan. Um, Dan was supposed to be with us here in London. Uh, for our third British Spiritist Congress, but because of the current situation, the Congress has been postponed, but then it's going to come to London next year. So this is the date for you to take note. Um, the third British Spiritist Congress is going to be on the 15th and 16th of May, 2021. And Dan is going to be one of our speakers. So if you want to hear a little bit more about Dan, come along to our Congress next year. Um, Lawrence, shall I hand it over to you for the closure prayer? Thank you for appreciating. Thank you, Dan. Absolutely wonderful evening, sir. <clears throat> A lot of very, very good positive comments there and interesting questions. So thank you. And thank you to Fabrizio. So if we just still our minds for this time, again, setting aside our worries, cares and concerns for all is well. You are an infinite spirit, God. We thank you for this time, for this presence, for this experience, this learning curve on which we are all embarking. We know that we are blessed, looked after and guided by the highest and the best at all times. Help us to walk carefully and to always dwell within the positive energies, to send out love and compassion and where there is enmity, help us to lay that to one side. 
and live forever in your shining light and glory. Amen. Thank you somebody, very much, friends. It was a pleasure being with you guys. I was saying, somebody speak. We're all looking at each other going, who's doing it now? <laughs> Your turn now. Yeah. Yeah. Mauricio, over to you, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Lawrence, for this lovely evening. Um, we will be having more talks like this uh, every fortnight. And the next one is with Josara Kornigold. And she will be talking about the truth of mediumship. It's on the 29th of May at the same time, and the topic is going to be truths about mediumship. Okay, so I say good night to all. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Fabrizio. Thank you, Dan. Thank you all for watching, whether you're watching live tonight or on the catch up. God bless you all. Uh, and we will see each other on the Paul Church page tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Fabrizio's page got their own time frame. The lovely Dan it is now what coming up to five o'clock over there. Oh, it's one p.m. for me. One one in the afternoon. Oh, you're right over the other side, of course. Yeah. Yes. All uh -huh. oh, right. Oh well, it's uh, it's wine o'clock then. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dan, what really matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you said stick with the spirit, Dan. Beautiful evening. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you.